But having both of the titles in the pocket already, I think it uh, it would be a nice goal to try and go for the double. I think I have two courses that I can really aim to go for for a win. Quality-wise, it can probably be even a, a bigger season than it was last year because it's only World Tours and Championships. I mean, you should not put a, a real Strade stage in, in a Grand Tour because, I mean, it's quite, it's a different thing. Hello everyone and welcome to the Castelli podcast, a show where we dive into the world of Castelli and professional cycling, exploring the stories behind the riders who inspire us. On today's episode, we are celebrating the one year anniversary of the Castelli show featuring our very first guest when starting the show. So it's an honor to have him back on the show, better, stronger, wiser and with more impressive victories to his already outstanding Palmares. Let's welcome Belgian cycling superstar Remco Evenepoel of Sudel Quickstep. Welcome, Remco. Thank you. Nice introduction. <laughs> Thank you. So, Remco, we started the 2023 season and the Castelli podcast by featuring you as our very first guest. We discussed your early years playing soccer, mountain biking at Lake Garda with your family, your first Castelli memory of the Malia Azzurra, your incredible journey into World Tour Cycling, learning the ropes, setbacks, the Giro d'Italia, 2023 goals and more. So if anyone missed that episode, make sure to add it to your queue list and make sure to hang on to the end since we'll be giving away a Belgian national jersey signed by Remco himself. So stay tuned for more details on how you can enter for a chance to win at the end of the show. So now let's buckle up and jump right in. Remco, we're thrilled to have you back on the show and it's fantastic to reunite here with the team in Calpe especially in December and the first meetup after the off-season. How are you doing? What have you been up to after wrapping up a long 2023 season at Crono des Nations? Uh, yeah, everything has been good. Uh, took uh, quite a long break, longer than, uh, than I usually do. Uh, I think I've let the bike on the side for like five weeks, which is a very long period, but I feel like uh, it did me well uh, mentally and physically. I think, uh, like you mentioned, it was a a long and a hard season, tough season with a lot of uh, ups and downs, right. also a uh, rainbow season. So uh, it was a spe special year, um, but I think I uh, I was happy when it uh, ended and I had some time to uh, think about other stuff. Think about the future, think about the upcoming season, yeah. yeah as well. Because I remember a year ago when you and I we met up, you had already reconned, was that four stage, zero stages at this time? Uh, five. Five zero stages, five, yeah. 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 Correct. So, no, it's good to see that you have had some time to think about the family, also take some time off, you know, detach yep. yourself. I also saw on your Strava, and I also know this from, from the team, that you also had a trip to California, Morgan yep. Hills, where right. you guys also, apart from looking on your Strava and seeing your always fast pacing runs, <laughs> you also went to the wind tunnel there at Specialized. Yep. And you guys also tested a few TT suits. Yeah, correct. So, um, Actually, it was a bit of a, a long uh, thinking and doubting where to go on holiday. Uh, but then when we got the final call for the, the winter not testing, uh, me and me and my wife and I decided to, to have a trip to LA. Uh, we did 10 days uh, in there. We did uh, Mon uh, Santa Monica Beach. Then we went to uh, Las Vegas for two days. And then we, we, went, we drove up to San Francisco and then uh, went for three days to work at Specialized. And uh, yeah, we did some interesting uh, testing. Um, as I was uh, wearing the new prototype suit in the Corona de Nations, yeah, yeah. Um, I was curious to see what the the result would be. What the numbers would be like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it turned out to be a, a very good suit. So uh, I was happy to to see that. So uh, Because for that that suit, it's just more for listeners so they're aware about this. Because some people might have asked, everyone knows the question why you're... <laughs> you're riding with, why well, you have short sleeves uh, versus long sleeves, TT suits. Yeah. We made the, the shoulders and the sleeves with a complete new construction. Also something that we have studied, we worked on on the track and especially looking forward also for the Olympics and stuff. So uh, yeah, and it showed out to be what I could read through some of the tests uh, from the team, like the fastest suits that you guys tested over there in, in the wind tunnel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the... The new shoulder construction really made a, a big improvement. Um, I remember with the 
previous shoulder construction, there was quite some wrinkles on, let's say, the back of the of the shoulder, uh, the shoulder plate actually. And now with the new construction, it was uh, was gone. So I think that made a big improvement. So uh, looking forward for some uh, next testing that is uh, waiting. Yeah, because we are actually meeting up. I think mid January, you know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. In correct. Milan at the Polytechnical Wind Tunnel. Yeah. To do some more testing. Yeah, it's uh, it's Olympic season, so. Uh, that's also why we're uh, looking a lot into the suits and the material. Uh, of course, I have to be on my uh, top game as well. But I think if the if the material is is up there, then it's a bit more easy to uh, for yourself to motivate. It is. It is exactly exactly. When you got back here to Calpe, which I know is your home base, and you pulled out your bike for the first time, only if was that a week ago or something, you did your first ride. No, three, three uh, around ago. three weeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, came home from the US around the tenth of October, um, November, yeah. and then uh, I was supposed to restart back then already. Uh, then we had the team days in uh, turnout at the Sudal headquarters, right. uh, the, the, the team meeting, let's say. And then I was supposed to restart after that, but then the weather was uh, pretty bad in Belgium. A lot of raining and. Uh, and wind and within the back of my head the idea that I was coming here a few days later then I decided to uh, to take off for a few more days and then uh, restarted here so also much better instead of riding around up in Belgium in, in rainy conditions and cold weather yeah, and yeah. I mean if it if it's for a, a week I would say yes I'm gonna get through yeah. but if if I have to restart there but then only for two three days yeah. then coming here then uh you just have to focus a little bit more on the nutrition and the food, but then Into, it's not a big problem. Yeah, no, you're right. What's your favorite off-season or early-season training ride around here? The first day is, of course, the most flat one because uh, it gets hilly pretty quickly here. Uh, but then, like for now, there's there's like a three, four-hour lap that I really like to do. It goes here over the the small climb that goes to Benissa and then just over Colderat or. Uh, or going to Guadalest is a little bit higher. Uh, I think that's a very nice loop. Yeah. Uh, you can actually, in, in both ways, it's really nice. Uh, you always start or come back over the sea road, over the coastline. So it's, uh, it's a nice lap to, to do. This is a good one here also for listeners coming to, to Calpe or Alicante, you know, to get these insiders of where the pros are training and what, you know, where they do some of the structure training on. I mean, yeah, it also depends on the weather. If it's like around 20 degrees here, you can go up there but if it goes to like let's say 15 10 yeah. it might get really chilly on top uh, because you're riding in a direction of 1000 meter of altitude so it, uh, it can be around let's say like five degrees up there yeah. let's say that the difference of temperature is quite big because you can start like short shorts but then up there if you're in short shorts it's uh <laughs> it's, yeah pretty cold so I, I remember my first time coming to Calpe with the team that must have been at 21 and I went out there after I finished all my work here went out there for a ride got up the Coldarates and it was super windy there up on the top yeah it gets crazy there and just the temperatures just dropped like you said like 16 18 down the seaside in December but up there it was probably I don't know 10 degrees or yeah, something yeah, yeah. and then with this heavy wind and while I was just trying to steer my SL7 down the mountain there, then I have this guy pulling up to me, who I worked with in the past with the Team Sky, okay. called Poles. Ah, yeah. And he was like, dude, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, get on my wheel and I'll take you down to yeah, the yeah. coast. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, a, it's actually a crazy place because you have the, the, the sea and then the mountain is like, let's say, just getting through it. But then the wind always gets around. Yeah. So it's it's a really... There's a lot of turbulence on There's top of, of that climb, yeah. yeah. So, wow. Okay, Remco, enough of off-season. We touched on 2023 season. I mean, we know you said it earlier, it's been a bit of ups and downs, but I would say there's been some downs, but a lot of ups, you know, especially with victories at UAE Tour, Catalonia, defending your victory at Liege, Bastogne Liege, uh, two states of the Giro, three at the Vuelta, Swiss, Classica San Sebastian, the World Time Trial title, National Road Race Champion, and the list goes on and on. If you have to describe the 2023 season with its ups and downs, how would you look at it? Uh, well, I mean, I'm definitely super happy with the season I did. I think uh, it's just a shame that I uh, couldn't finish the Giro uh, in an honest way, let's say. Because uh, I think for sure I was in maybe the best shape I've ever had uh, at the start of the Giro. It was also resulting in the first stage already. Um, 
But I think, yeah, it was it was actually a great season. Um, then in the end, about the Vuelta, I think my biggest goal was the time trial, World Championship time trial. So I knew my preps were not going to be ideally for the, the Vuelta, uh, which also turned out. But I think... Um, I think I cannot be more than happy uh, if you get sick from a race. That's just how cycling goes. I think everything happens uh, for a reason to probably uh, come go back there with a with a stronger head and with like uh, let's say revenge feelings or uh, maybe for for next season going into the tour it can help me uh, with let's say uh, the preparations and some different mindset maybe. So, um, but I think I, I should be happy. Thirteen victories, of which eleven World Tours, two yeah. uh, titles. I think it's. Uh, Let's say pure quality-wise, it can probably be even a, a bigger season than it was last year because it's only World Tours and Championships. Meanwhile, uh, last year I also won in uh, in Algarve and Tour of Norway. Uh, so I think last year I took five victories which were not World, World Tour. Tour. Yeah. So I think uh, about quality, spoken about quality, it's... Uh, it's a, it has been a very good season and I think it, I could have won a bit more if I would have been racing sometimes a bit more smarter or with a bit more patience like, uh, for example, uh, uh, Catalonia. Uh, and also in, in Tour de Suisse was a bit of a strange race coming back from the COVID uh, sickness. So, um, yeah, I think I, I should be proud about the season I did. Amazing season. I think there were there are a lot of people out there who like to just trade just a little bit of what you achieved uh, this, this season for a whole career of a results. For, uh, so, no. You know, congrats as always. Thank you. Then looking ahead, I mean, we are in December now and January is just around the corner. You got a long build up for, for the 2024 season. As you just said, you just started writing a few weeks ago. You already announced a few days ago that you'll be defending your LBL title and world's title and that July will be the peak period of the year for you, targeting a top five and a stage win at the tour to have the triple you know, stage victories in all Grand Tours. Yeah. Well, the Tour, you'll be up against some of the other gods of Grand Tour racing. Sounds like they will all be, be coming to the show. As well as adding an Olympic gold medal to your collection of world, European and Belgian titles. Without leaking too much information, because I don't want to get into trouble with the team, <laughs> can you tell us how your preparation for the 2024 season will look like and what race will most likely be your season debut? For now, I actually have quite some time. It's uh, That's also why I only started three weeks ago. Um, as everybody knows, main goal will be uh, the month of July. So we, we want to start the season with a fresh head and a fresh body. And I think that's uh, why I took off for such a long period of time. Uh, and then for now, I still have about two months to get into my first uh, race. So I will restart in uh, Portugal. Algarve. Figueras. Ah, Figueras, okay. Figueras, yes. Yeah. And then... Uh, I will restart, I mean, I will rewrite Algarve for a third time, um, hoping to get a good result there. I always perform well in uh, the southern countries. So um, it's a very nice race. And I think, uh, especially with the races that I will do after, it's a good race to start to have some uh, race hardness in the legs. And um, it's also why we, we decided to not go to UAE Tour because it can get a bit easy there, let's yeah. say, uh, for eight days. Or let's have the most of the days. So in Algarve, it's every day up, up and, and down, down, pushing yeah. a nice time trial to uh, to start with. So um, I think it's it's going to be a very good race to restart. Oh, that's a definitely a good race to to restart the season. But that also means coming in, defending your Liège-Bretagne-Liège title. You're coming in to Liège without any altitude training or maybe you know less race miles in your legs. Do you think it will be more difficult to win the LBL again? Or how do you see it? Well, I think the, the races that I will do after Algarve will be from very high quality. All races where uh, the GC riders always want to be on their top game. So, uh, uh, yeah, I will I will go over to, uh, to a Paris-Nice and then uh, Basque. So it's uh, two races that will fit perfectly into the build-up to the Ardennes. Especially Basque is something that is, uh, that is very good for... Uh, for preparing the the Ardennes, and then I will do the combination flash and uh, Liège. So I will uh, I will do flash also. Is that first time for you? Second, uh, second time. time. First time uh, is when I won first time Correct. Liège. Uh, then I was uh, let's say the the main guide of uh, of Julian during the day. I always had to keep him out of the wind. It was actually a very nice 
task to have, as you know, uh, you know that you have a rider in your wheel that can win for a, I don't know how many times already. Yeah. So uh, I think it's a very nice, uh, let's say, spring campaign with not too many race days. But I think it makes sense because after Liège, I will have a small break and then I will go for a almost four-week altitude period. Uh, that's why we decided to not go in altitude in spring period to just keep that off and then uh, have a big effect after uh, after the classics to to get into the tour. I mean, we all know that four or five weeks is kind of the window for when you go in altitude training. Then the whole Grand Tour team that will be supporting you will be will be coming. Or how will it be looking like? Because if some of them will be racing the Giro, it depends. I'm I'm not sure if the team will allow the riders to do Giro Tour combination okay. as they didn't with me. So uh, <laughs> I think. Uh, I think they will make two different programs with guys that will focus on on spring and Giro, and then have a bit of an easier second part of the season, yeah. and guys that they will do a bit of the opposite uh, with a let's say a small packed spring classic campaign, and then uh, going over for a heavy summer. So um, I think for for the tour team, it will probably be almost everybody together uh, on that long training camp, and then depending on on what the riders' preference is to go. Dauphiné or Swiss, uh, or another, another race, race. Yeah. Uh, then they will uh, will divide it like that. But I think it's good that we can already have a small test in the start of, of the yeah in one of the first uh, one week races with with the guys. Um, yeah, we'll see. So then then you will have the the spring classic riders like the big domestique riders like Askren, Lampy. Those guys just finish off a really hard spring classic season maybe then around flesh and the age they will take it one or two weeks easy and then they will join you on the altitude training camp but what about landa he's like a new guy to the team and we know he's yep. he's a gc guy he finished three times podium or third at the giro he won a couple of stages he brought through me to victory in 2016 and 17, actually 17 from his last tour victory. He, of course, will be at your side of the tour. How do you see him as your super climbing domestique? Uh, Mikael is, is a different rider. I mean, he's a bit a bit older than me. He has more experience. And of course, I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to, to learn from him because like you said, he won with a four-time Tour de France champion. And uh, himself, he also did some amazing results in in the GCs of the Grand Tour, so I think it's uh, it's the perfect guy to to have with us, with a young team to to learn from and to uh, yeah to see how he does the things. It's definitely going to be interesting. I remember Mikel from the days at Team Sky, amazing person, uh, really great. Yeah, yeah. Personality yeah, also on the table and uh, in the team meeting, we know each other a bit from from the altitudes in Tide when we when we cross paths yeah. to have a small chat and actually uh, very nice when 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 you speak English that well as a, as a Spanish yeah. person so it's, uh, it's it's a good guy and uh, I think there's already a, a good friendship building up so it's uh, very important to to start an important year like this with a such a special rider. yeah special rider a lot of experience and one of still today with his because it's his birthday today 34 years really? yeah oh, I didn't know I saw him on the table and I didn't even say it so when I see him, I should uh, I should do it. Yeah, yeah. but it's nice, and we have a cake tonight. Exactly, exactly. Perfect. <laughs> I would join you guys. That no, but uh, thirty four years of age, and think about it. so growing up in the Basque country. Uh, I mean, even today, he's still one of the best, or part of the best, the group of the very exclusive World Tour top climbers. So yeah, no, I, I think actually I'm going to meet with him later today. Okay. And well, if I don't see him, tell him happy birthday. I will. <laughs> if I don't see him anymore. But also, like, if uh, I was in the Vuelta now, and then the second and third week, I could see a bit from distance. And it was actually amazing to, to know him coming into the team, seeing him up there, battle till the last day with the, with the yeah, the Vingegaard and, and, and Roglic and, and Kuz. Uh, okay, I think from fourth in GC, there were no real threats anymore, but still him trying to, to give that push always to, to do better and better and try to move up in, in GC was actually really nice to see and I was uh, yeah actually very proud of him to see that on, on that age knowing also that he that he had, that he leaves the team it was actually nice to see that he still gives his very maximum until the last yeah. day so one of the the reasons for targeting then the tour this year 
I assume that's also due to the Olympics as a build-up to the Olympics because we have the individual time trial at the Olympics starting uh, only a week after the Champions. I think it's Saturday. It's yeah, Saturday, exactly. So it's uh, what is it? Six days. Here? Six days. Yes. And then you got the road race the following weekend after. And it's Sunday, yeah. yeah. No, I think I think the men's road race is on a Saturday and the women's Sunday this time. I don't know for what reason, but you're right. The individual time trial is on a Saturday, so yeah. less than yeah six days after the finish of the of the yeah. tour. Yeah, it's a bit comparable with the the Vuelta Australia campaign. Yeah. So um, if I go out of the tour in yeah in a good way with good feeling with a good shape, I think it can be a bit of the same scenario as it was in, in Australia with a bit of a, I mean, not a, a bad TT, but just a bit that less freshness, let's yeah. say. Uh, but then, yeah, the week after, if uh, if I will recover well and uh, some good rest, I might maybe find the best legs of, of, of the, the season, season so, yeah. uh, like it was in, in Australia. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting, but I think uh, it's, it's, it's risky. But if you look at how it ended up in, in Tokyo, top 10 was all to the France riders in the road race. And then the time trial were all fresh guys that were up there with the Primos winning, uh, Dumoulin and Sturt. Dennis, Dennis, yeah. So three guys that were not in the tour. But yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Luckily, the travel is not that long. It's just from Nice to, to Paris. Paris yeah. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's not super long, but uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be a big month of July. It's going to be a big month of July, yeah. And also with the tour starting in Florence, Italy for the first couple of stages. But then already, I mean, the race could already explode, I think, on stage four over the Col du Galibier in the Alps and continue all the way to the finish in Nice, the time trial. Yeah, it's going to be... Uh, actually, already the first day is pretty tough. It's uh, like that medium oh, mountain stage in, in yeah. the area of Torino. So it's it's going to be a bit... Uh, it's going to be an interesting and an important first two stages yeah. already yeah. with the, the Giro dell'Emilia finish correct lap. yes so uh, I think yeah almost all the riders know that lap but I think yeah it's gonna be interesting from stage four it's we're gonna I mean the GC guy is gonna be uh, gonna be obligate, obligated to be on their top already so if uh, if you have a bad day there your GC can already be over actually so it's uh, it's interesting but it's also always a bit tricky to put a I mean tricky not but it's always interesting to see such a hard stage after four days. I mean, it can or explode or just nothing can happen at all because it's still 20 days to go. So Yeah, because then we yeah. have the third week, then we have all the big mountains coming in, you know, hard, yeah. solid. Quite steep. Yeah, well. quite steep. What what are you what are the key stages to you that you looked at already on the map? Just uh well the definitely the the, the first ones. Uh, as we will meet up in, in Milan, I will uh, also go and check the first two stages. Uh, we were thinking about the fourth stage, but probably in, in January, the Galibier will not even be open. It will be full of snow, so we might uh, place that in the month of June. Yeah, after, You might be uh, able to ride up to the tunnel. Okay. When I lived in France, I lived uh, in Annecy, okay. an hour and a half drive from, from the Galibier. Yeah. And I rode up there sometimes also in May, but you would get to the, there's a tunnel you can go through, but you cannot okay. go over the pass because, it's, okay. you know, they will never clean that for of snow. Ah, but yeah. you would definitely, I think you'll be able to ride up to the tunnel. Okay. I think they usually clean that. Uh, okay. But I can check into it with some of my friends still living in, in, in Savoie. Would be good. Would be so, good. yeah. Uh, yeah. So fourth stage. Um, then I think there's a, a pretty important Weekend of the first week with stage seven, eight, and nine. Nine is the gravel stage, no? Uh, the gravel stage. Yeah. Uh, then seven is the the longer time yeah. trial. Uh, and stage eight is maybe not that important, but I mean it's it's an area up and down all day, open open fields, so it might uh, it might get a bit, uh, let's say, a bit of a war over there. Uh, so that's it. And then yes, second week is also already pretty pretty important. I think we have a few. Easy stages, like completely flat ones. Um, and then again, yeah, the weekend is always a spectacle in the tour. Um, TV time. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I think there's a 14 or 15, which is around Clermont-Ferrand. Uh, it's a bit of a Liège-Baston-Liège course, actually. Yeah, correct. I'm not sure if it's 14 or 15, but I think it's like 200 and, what is it, 220k or a bit less. And... Uh, 
yeah, like 4,400 meters of climbing. So it's all day up and down. And then last week, yeah, everybody knows there's only one flat stage yeah. in the last week and all the others are uh, important. So, And nice to end up with a, with a time trial, which is a bit of a climbing time trial, but it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting one. I think uh, it can still change the, the tour. tour yeah. And as we also know that that climbing time trial, I mean, part of the course is also what will be known for Paris. So Yeah, correct. It's to be the same... Uh, is the same final, I think. I think it's the, the same last, final, yeah, coming. The exact last 20 kilometers from uh, from uh, from Paris-Nice, so uh, we'll have a good recovery exactly. in the uh, month of yeah. March. And hopefully, with, well, there's usually nice weather when you when you get to the coast in Costa Azzurra in, at, yeah. at Paris-Nice. So what do you think about now when the Grand Tours have started to include cobble and gravel stages? Should that be part of Grand Tours to you or just keep them as one day races? I mean, it's, it's a really specific thing. Um, yeah. I mean, for us as fans in front of the television yeah. is, is amazing to see, but I can imagine you guys who are racing three weeks have to think about everything. When you hit the cobbles or the gravel, everything, as we know from Strade Bianchi, we know from the couple classics, everything just becomes chaotic and every, you can lose everything in no time. Also yeah. with the facts and everything. Yeah, that's exactly. Is this what I, what I think? I mean, you, you cannot, win your Grand Tour up there because you can definitely lose yeah. so it's uh, I mean it's not really up to me to say it, it has to be part of or not are you are you um, fan of it? it depends it depends I mean I didn't see the course yet of the, of the gravel stage I will definitely go check it out um, but I mean you should not put a, a real strata stage in, in a Grand Tour because I mean it's quite it's a different thing you have Riders specifically going to Strade because they're good at it and they want to yeah. win it. But in a Grand Tour, you you might have guys that don't really, or they are not really fan of it, and they get a bit scared or uh, whatever. So it's uh, it's a completely completely different bunch. So I mean, it can be up there, but it should not affect the race. You know, if if you put a few sectors in it, it's not a big problem. But for example, the tour stage is is quite it's a lot. Quite it's a from, long, yeah. I think if I'm not wrong, it's from let's say kilometer fifty till two hundred. On and off, Almost on and off. Yeah. Only ten kilometers of normal roads in between, yeah. and then you have a, a longer section of, of gravel, and you even have a section in, uh, from like ten k to yeah. go. If you have a flat tire there, yeah, it's, it's done. You lose quite some yeah. time because the bunch will be completely exploded. So um, yeah, it's it's. I'm I'm actually fan of the fact that they put it in, but it's more the effects. That it can have, I'm not a fan of, you know. I, un- I understand, yeah, because so, so you plan your whole season for yeah. this and with yeah. just one flat or a crash in yeah. front of you, yeah. your tour dreams are over. Or or you win, it's yeah. like, uh, like, Nibali had it in 17, in, no, not 14, 14, I think it was, or 15. 14, 15, yeah. I think that year when, when, when he won it, on that yeah. cobble yeah. stage. Like some guys had bad luck and they were... But then also at that stage, you also had guys like Full Sang, uh, who's also, you know, very skilled when it comes to you know, technical yeah. skill, yep. coming from mountain Correct. biking, helping him, guiding him over there. Yeah, the you need some important... And you got some of the best couple riders here, you know, joining yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, if, if guys like Casper uh, and Eve would come with me to the tour, I think for that stage, they are the perfect guys to to yeah, to guide me because Casper uh, did a third in Strade uh, and Eve is just a, one of the best riders for the flats. Yes, yeah. So uh, I think I have two big machines with me then if, if they would join. Two of the best domestics on for the rolling hills and flats and yeah. this uncertain terrain. Yeah. Remco, time is running out, but I just wanted to ask you also about the Worlds. Uh, now it's in Zurich this year. You got both the individual time trial title to defend and you they both got the road race with 4,400 meters of climbing, I think it is. Yeah, it's a... Uh, Looked it up actually. Uh, it's it's on VeloViewer. I'm on our VeloViewer, and it's uh, it's. I mean, it's climbing, but it's more like going to the directions of the Ardennes. So it's a bit harder than the Ardennes, but it's not like a real mountain stage. So, uh, but I think yeah, with having both of the titles in the pocket already, I think it uh, it would be a nice goal to try and go for the double. I think I have two courses that I can really aim to go for for a win. Uh, of course, I know that's a really ideal situation yeah. to win both of them. It's not going to be that easy, but of course, uh, we can try to go exactly. for it. So uh, 
I think it, it, it's, it's a nice goal to put on the paper, try to go for the both jerseys. Because uh, I'm one of the only riders ever to have won both disciplines. So why not try to go for both in, in one year? That would be uh, be amazing. And I was really close in, in Australia, so uh, why not try again this year? Yeah? We'll see. Are we looking forward to cool. man? All the best of luck for this season. Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to watch you on television and also meeting you, of course, oh, also in best. person. You're such a nice, humble and relaxed person. And what's great about your YouTube channel, I think you're showing a different side of yourself because, you know, when you're at races and people, of armchair fans or cycling fans out there watching on television, it's difficult for them sometimes to understand the people behind the riders, you know, uh, when they just watch them on television and see some of all the stuff that people are writing on social and, and everything. Yeah, 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 correct. So I think it's a really nice, transparent way to show the world who is Remco Evenepoel. I think that's probably also one of the reasons why you started the YouTube channel. Every start is uh, is difficult, but I think uh, we're trying to find a way now what works the best, or uh, we're trying to find out about that. If you look, for example, at, at the first video, it was actually a very easy video to make on the track in, in Ghent. So uh, not a big working place, let's say, like for example, the, the Corona the Nations video or uh, the Lombardia uh, recon video. That was a very emotional one. Yeah, yeah. It was also... Pretty long one, so it's for YouTube. It's a bit unusual to make things like this, but I think in in that video we just had that much content that was, let's say, good enough to be to be showed. That uh, we thought we should, yeah, just make a long one of it. We find out now what works, what doesn't. So for next year, we'll probably uh, get the videos a bit smaller again and a um, bit more easygoing and and a bit more easy to understand for for people. Um, because yeah, I mean. Uh, it, it also costs some money to make to make videos, so uh, I was a bit surprised with that. So uh, I think if we can kind of bring down the the amount of money that goes into the videos, um, it should be a bit more easy to uh, to make. Also, it, it takes quite some time often. So uh, especially with the the year that will come, it would be great to uh, to diminue a bit of time that goes into the the filming. Can you already tell us more about when, like a small spoiler, when will the next episode come out and the next episode will be? Well, honestly, uh, I've been making, uh, I mean, we have been making a full Vuelta video. Uh, so I had a GoPro with me for three weeks, uh, filming myself in the room. Then the guys came over a few uh, days. But when we when they finished the video, it turned out to be like, One hour and 45 <laughs> minutes. So I think that's more a thing that you can then make as a documentary. I mean, it's yeah. it's not really made for YouTube that. So we actually skipped that plan. So uh, for the moment, there is no video uh, being planned. But that's why a few days ago, we made an Instagram story with the, the question, what people would like to see. And there's a lot of FTP tests coming out. So I think that will probably a project... Uh, And then also they ask for a lot of collaborations with other famous people. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we are kind of working on that already. So uh, there's a few plans, but uh, like I said, we will not try to make four or five videos in, in three months. So uh, we will try to, to, to aim for six videos a year, but good quality videos and videos that, uh, that will That's work. Nice. So, I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to it and it's cool. And, And yeah, I know I know how how it is with video filming because you you create right hours almost days of of content B roll content yeah. as well and you edit everything down to hardly anything but you know yeah, that's yeah. Uh, Celavi I mean you also have had was it Amazon following you guys yeah. um, by the Grand Tour so you know how it is and now you did yeah, the same yeah. thing also for your for your own channel so that's awesome still at your young age you are a superhero. I mean, you are a big celebrity. Look at their Palmares is is unbelievable. I think a lot of people are asking themselves or wondering how many hours is Remco training a week? Of course, it depends what time of the week and what is your bread and butter for training or what do you usually expect to see on a training calendar preparing for a Grand Tour or Liege-Bastogne-Liege for a Remco Evenepoel? Can you give us, without telling too much, a little bit about your hours on the road and, and your specific training you do as a preparation for a Grand Tour? Uh, well, if I if I focus more on, on on a Liège, for example, which is a bit more explosive than, than a Grand Tour, of course, 
Um, I'll focus a bit more on, on those, let's say, VO2 max efforts. So a bit of shorter intervals, but with higher intensity. Um, often training in, in three-day blocks uh, before that. Sometimes two days when it, get re when it gets really tough. Uh, to not go too much into the fatigue. Right. And then uh, I'll always try to have a... If I do a three-week altitude block, for example, I will always try to have a, a very long ride, so a, a plus seven. Plus seven hours. Um, also not to not going to eight or nine because then you would really kill the body. But uh, I mean, uh, for example, Liege is a six, six and a half hour race. If you really want to have the feeling of... Having that amount of, of time on the bike should go for a seven hour, I think. That's always a bit my strategy. At least one seven hour ride to, to have the feeling and, and being comfortable with sitting that, that long on a saddle. Um, and then, yeah, for a, for a Grand Tour, it will always start easy, the build-up. And then you will bring in some more hours. And then towards the end, you will go for more intensity. Uh, and again, like I said, maybe two, three really long rides uh, with a lot of climbing meters um, but just always try to, to have that good uh, let's say combination of quality training with longer training with also a good rest day in between to be fresh to have the training really getting yeah let it it does it work uh, in the body so it's uh, it's always finding that combination of hard work with also having the good amount of relax, of relax because so. After training, well, the second most important thing, or maybe the more, most important thing, is the recovery. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think nowadays it's almost getting more important. Um, or it's, yeah, let's say training is really important, but I mean, you can always pick up on a training. But if you don't recover well, you might never recover from it anymore. So it's like... Yeah, let's say that if you do a good training, first of all, you need your good recovery strategy. strategy yeah. with the shake, food, rest, uh, even even the massages is important. But, um, yeah, sometimes it might get more important than it is than training is. So, especially the last weeks before that race, I think it's really important to worry more about recovery. Yeah. Now it's a bit different because. Trainings are not the hardest and it's also not the longest ones. So you can still perform if you recover, let's say, 5% less than you need to before that big goal. So it's a, it's a really important thing. No, it is a very important thing. It's a very important thing now. Are there any tips training-wise, apart from recovery, nutrition, you know, eating well, make sure you recover, get your, you know, recovery shake and everything. Any other tips you could give to all the cycling fans out there who wants to maybe get into racing uh, or just be serious amateur cyclists out there, just my, the Sunday warriors and when they get into the training, some specific tips here you can give to them? Uh, well, if, if you don't need to ride fast, you don't have to ride fast. I mean, it's it's also for us, especially now when you're building up and you want to, let's say, let grow the fat threshold uh, zone, then you really need to ride a lot under that zone. Yeah. So I feel like for me, it will probably be around 300 watts, let's say the fat threshold. If I, it means that I should ride around, let's say 250 to 60 on, on easy pace uh, on the climbs. And that helps, you know, uh, like this, you will also enjoy the riding fast later on. Uh, and then, yeah, just en enjoy it. You know, I mean, it's, uh, if you have, if you have, if you feel like on a day, I don't want to go. You shouldn't go. And, Listen to your body. And try to do something else. That's also why I combine the running a bit with, with riding. Um, because it makes me feel like I'm doing something else and not only riding the bike. Because I used to do like, let's say, sober trainings on the bike. But now I try to do them running. So it makes the combination of... of um, I mean, it, it gives the hunger to a bike more. And it's good. It works also the yeah, different way, exactly. the muscles. And also yeah. helps with the bone density. Yeah, and I needed that actually because I, I was playing football, everybody knows. But then when I got into cycling, I didn't run for quite a long period of time and my bone density was really getting a bit worse. So uh, that's why I needed to pick up pretty, uh, I mean, not intensively. But I needed to pick up the running uh, and that's what I did and I think it's ready. Um, and it also just grows shape a bit faster. It does. I mean, it helps to, to, to become... 
in better in shape, a bit faster. So uh, pretty nice way to to just keep the body moving. And it also doesn't take that much time if you do, let's say, 40 minutes of running. You have the feeling like you did two hours of, of riding a bike. So. Correct. Yeah. Now also got into running. Well, already now many years ago after stopping uh, cycling and racing, and then started working. At Castelli and you travel the world, it's so much easier sometimes yeah. to bring a pair yeah. of runners with yeah. you. Exactly. And Just in the suitcase. Yeah. And shorts and t-shirt and you're And off. even the same road that you've done a thousand of times on your road bike, you know, looks different when you run it afterwards yeah. Yeah, at a different pace. True, true, true. Yeah. So, Correct. yeah. Do you sometimes also hit the trails or do you mainly just stay on the tarmac? Um, well, when I will go back to Belgium for Christmas, I might uh, hit the trails a bit more uh, on the mountain bike. Because, yeah, I mean... If you would go out on the road now in Belgium, you will get as dirty as you would go in the trails. <laughs> so it's, uh, I think then it's it's also fun to do something else, discover some roads that you never yeah. do. So uh, um, in periods where the training hours are a bit less important, I will hit the trails with the mountain bike a bit. And then you also, you know? I mean, you're always focused and concentrated and plus you also have the less windshield. Exactly. You always be warm also. You need to push always and it's uh, always... Like I said, you need to be focused because yeah, downhill is also important in on the trails. So it's uh, you always need to be focused, and your body will never get uh, get cold. And then you're also working on your technique. Yep, correct. So you're a multi-sport athlete. We know that, uh, but also during the season, do you still hit the gym? Do strength training? Uh, depends. I think uh, probably spring. I mean, till till Liege, I will probably do it. But then after that, building up to the tour, it will be a bit less. I think then it will be more about flexibility and, and a bit core stability. Uh, but I think I will not run anymore uh, from when I will start a season. So probably from Algarve on, I will not run anymore because I think then the risk of getting an injury is a bit it's higher, higher yeah. uh, as I will do high intensity riding. Um, so yeah, I think uh, from the moment that I start my racing season, uh, I will probably diminue all the, the extra sports. Yeah. But that's why it's nice to have a, a bit of combination in, in the winter. Yeah, no, it is. So knowing that you and Landa won't be riding the Giro, we completely skipped discussing the first Grand Tour of the season. What do you think about the course this year, which is less hilly and might suit you better than the Tour? It was an idea because I saw the, the parkour and it was actually a very nice parkour with uh, some beautiful time trials. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's. I think the the parkour is a bit comparable with the Vuelta, I won uh, in 22. Not too hard start in the first part. It's also almost not technical at all. Well, and 20 percent less elevation compared to the tour, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really that's that's why I said it. It was like I mean, it's an easy Giro parkour, but it's it's never going to be easy no. because in the Giro you have the the weather, which I don't think is a bad thing that they kind of make the course a bit easier because you also know the weather can... I mean, the 20% that goes less into the elevation can come back with the weather. So it's uh, it's not a bad thing that they did. No, no, it's uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. Like you you said, uh, with the Giro is unpredictable. You know, when it comes yeah, yeah. to the race itself, the third week, and then you're yeah. on top, you got just the weather. I mean, yeah. we have seen snow, rain, wind, cold. I mean, everything. Everything can happen at the Giro. Then luckily, you guys, you got some good uh, fall weather equipment to keep you guys protected. But you know, it's not everything. You still need to... No, no, but still it helps a lot. Yeah. I already... Uh, I, th- I think stage six, where I qu- crashed twice last year. I mean, I think it was where, where Kev was flying over the finish line. Yeah. That yeah. stage. Yeah. Uh, it was really cold. It was like maximum eight degrees and pissing rain all yeah. day. And I was just super happy with the warm and thick clothes. To uh... It also protected me a lot for the for the crash, actually. No bruises, no scarves. So. Oh, that's good to hear. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's also part of, I mean, some, some of this, some of this is part of also of the development we do internally. Just like with yeah, the yeah. Kevlar inserts that we used a bit in the past, but I don't think that many riders on this team here uh, are using it. So... Remco, it's been fantastic. You know, thanks for your availability, and it's always a joy to talk to you. Two last questions, is that okay? Can you tell me more about the Brussels Cycling Academy? Yes, I would like. It's an amazing uh, project. I really and we really yeah. want to support this 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 project as well, also in the future. But if you could tell our listeners who might not be aware about the Brussels Cycling Academy, 
Yep. So uh, for now, we actually we, we work in a few phases. So now it's actually the build-up phase, which we're uh, working on with some. Uh, uh, I don't know the word in English. Actually, I think it's a bit of communities, uh, children that are staying at, at, at uh, city houses uh, for because they they don't have the yeah their parents don't have the the credits to to give their kids a good background and a good uh, support. Uh, we're trying to support them. And the kids mainly come from the city of Brussels now. Uh, so we're trying to learn them about riding a bike, about the bike itself, and just trying to develop them into uh, an athlete and not just a cyclist. Um, and then, yeah, there will be phase two where they hopefully can join a team and race. And we will try to make a team on our own. Uh, and, you know, then it just goes on yeah. and on, trying to go into a higher category. And then, uh, yeah, one day, hopefully around 2030, where uh, Brussels might host the World Championships. Uh, we would like, I mean, big dream and, uh, and goal to have one girl and one boy. That would be amazing. At the start of one of the categories. Uh, so we're thinking about junior, probably, for under 23. Um so yeah, it's it's actually uh, it's still in in build up phase, and there are many other phases that will will come, or uh, many other situations, let's say. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting project, and uh, uh, we have the help from uh, from specialized for the moment that that give us some some bikes uh, for the kids, which is uh, really helpful because uh, like this, they already have like a high quality bike. Um, so for now they're riding on, on mountain bikes, um, but I think definitely next phases we will go oh, more tires, narrow tires, yeah. uh, a different handlebar. Yeah. So uh, it's really step by step because the kids they uh, they really didn't know anything about the bike. But you also see that it's a good thing because they have no fear. For example, if they go up a ramp and then go down, if you're used to riding a bike, you would start to be hesitating a bit yeah. sometimes because you know the risks. Yeah. But they just go over. That's the, children. I mean, if you like, yeah. when you go downhill skiing, it looks like yeah, when exactly. they take a tumble, it looks like they're made out of rubber because they just yeah, maybe yeah, cry yeah, yeah. for a minute or two, but then they get up and you yeah. know just yeah, and they do, do it again. again. It's like they forget. Yeah. So it's actually really how many nice kids are involved right now? Uh, for now, we have two groups of around fifteen kids, almost twenty even, from different ages. So you have age zone one, which is uh, around ten, and then you have the second age, which is around thirteen. So it's. Uh, yeah, it's a good thing, but there's a lot of information online on websites and stuff. So uh, we're trying to to build it up and make it bigger and bigger. And hopefully, for now, it's in it's in Belgium, um, but we hope to, to go to the major or the capital cities in the next of Europe as well, which will be pretty difficult. But we will see. No, it's good. It's an amazing project. I'm really excited. As I said, you definitely also here at Castelli, we would like to be part of this. But where can people, if you can just mention their social handle and the website where people can find more information about this project? It's actually uh, pretty easy. It's uh, REV, Brussels Academy, Cycling Academy. And then you will, will find a lot of websites and uh, information on, on, on Google. So it's also on my, uh, my Instagram. We uh, launched a small reel yesterday. So... Uh, they can just check it out and, and find all the information online. Perfect. So make sure, guys, you do that and make sure to hit follow also because this is uh, this is only the beginning. Yep. So hopefully. <laughs> last question, Remco. What does the word Wolfpack means to you? Uh, it means a lot of things. You know, it's a bunch of friends that uh, wants to win races, but then it's also a bunch of friends that wants to support each other. Uh and also, you, you feel that with the with the staff, with the team members, it's just something that uh, that lives in the team, you know. Um, and yeah, I think uh, also next year, if I speak for myself and for the group that I'm uh, I'm working with, we're going into new projects, into new uh, let's say goals. So I think we can use all the help and support from every single team member to help us and help me with that. So. Yeah, it's just something that you need. It's it's like uh, it's it's actually the family that you find when you're not at home. So it's a very important aspect in uh, in our lives. It is. Yeah, that's it actually. No, but it's right. And I see you also you 
use that hashtag also often, uh, the wolf pack. And I mean, it's also from, from the other riders. It's something yeah. that is yeah, yeah, yeah. that is closer to the heart, the, yep. the bound between Correct. teammates and good friends that will help each other yep. out no matter what will happen. Correct. So, Okay, Remco, thank you so much. It's been amazing no to have you on again. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll see you later on today. Hopefully for yep. a birthday cake thing later on for Michelanda. <laughs> Let's for see. Birthday, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay, Remco, thank you so much. No problem. And all the best of luck for the upcoming season. Thank you very much. And that's a wrap on the first Castelli podcast of 2024 featuring Remco Evenepoel. The next episode dropping on January 23rd will feature Mikel Landa. He will share some climbing training tips as one of the best climbers in professional cycling and discuss his 2024 race program. Landa will serve as a climbing domestique for Remco at the Tour and take on the GC role at De La Vuelta, España in August. As we all know, Landa checks almost every box in that regard. Having participated in 20 Grand Tours during his career, he has won four stages and secured eight top 10 results on GC. So it's going to be a thrilling and insightful episode. And as announced at the beginning of this episode, we are giving away one Belgium champion jersey signed by Remco himself. To enter the giveaway, head over to YouTube if you're not already here, then follow Castelli Cycling and leave your favorite Remco Evenepoel wow moment in the comments of this video and you have entered the contest. Entries will close on Sunday, February 18th, and the winner will be randomly picked. So all the best of luck to every one of you. And if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating or review to help us reach more cyclists through the algorithm. And also, if you would like to suggest a future podcast topic, just shoot us a line at podcast at castelli-cycling.com or connect with us on social media. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you in two weeks with the second episode of 2024. Until then, take care and ride safe. <laughs>